If you work for a living, why do you kill yourself working? From the Willamette Valley, in America's great Pacific Northwest, you are listening to the Ernest Mann Show. I'm your host, Ernest Mann. Coming to you no matter where, what time, or what place you may be listening in this great, big, beautiful, but sometimes incredibly crazy world we all live in. Hello, everyone. Thanks for tuning in or for tuning in again. This is episode number 253, Earnest Truth, America's Decline, Truth That Is Being Hidden Right in Front of You. That's what we're going to talk about. going to talk about our social decline, which, of course, corresponds uh, to our economic decline. Um, you know, which kind of in turn ties in with the fact that, uh, everybody's damn broke, but there are connections to things and they may seem far away and distant, but what I'm going to talk about and tell you, I'm going to put this in a perspective that, uh, perhaps you never thought about and how these things are actually very connected. Now, about 40 years ago, if you would have told me if there would have been a future me and would have told me that I would be telling you what I'm about to tell you, I'd have laughed in your face and, you know, I would have said, you're... You're fucking crazy, man. For detail. And uh, just passed it off, and that would have been it. Because, well, I would have made me about 20. And when I was 20, I was doing what uh, probably the majority of 20-year-old American males were doing. And a large part of that was partying. Yay! Party hardy. And in my case, um, never, never into any kind of, um, of the more serious illicit drugs. Um, I have never done heroin, don't want to. Um, but, you know, booze and weed, primarily booze and weed. Occasionally some cocaine. Uh, these are pre-crack days, so that was pretty scarce, but... You know, very occasionally did some of that. And, you know, that's when you had a well-to-do friend and it was a, a big special deal. But in my case, it was alcohol, like it is for, again, most young males or most young people today in general, I guess. Um, seeing how at that age and stage, you know, you're not oftentimes sad as it is, but you're not introspective enough. You simply haven't been on the planet long enough 
to recognize danger. And there is a difference between what you do to yourself as an individual and how what you do actually affects those in society around you. And what I have grown to understand now is that not only is there a plague um, that is, well, sadly now, it's just pretty much, you know, par for the course. It's not even mentioned seriously as a problem. But it is. And um, I'm going to talk to you about drugs and, well, I'm going to talk about weed and alcohol. Because here's the truth about what they do. I call them the dynamic duo. Now, way back then, uh, this would have been in 80 when um, Ronald Reagan and the Just Say No thing was being pushed really hard and heavy. And most people um, were laughing at it because I do think that at least there was a sincere effort to try to curb the use of what they call drugs, at least was the weed. The weed was the big deal, the big problem. And, of course, vast, overwhelming majority of that weed was coming from Mexico. But regardless of its origin, um, it you know the effect is the same. As a quick side note for you people out there that imbibe in the weed... Um, you may not be aware of this, but the weed that was common in the 70s and until, you know, the early mid 80s, by comparison, as far as its strength is concerned, was nowhere near as potent as it is today. Today, it's, I don't know, like 10 times as strong. So, there's that. But anyway, here's what it does, and then a little bit of historical, um, you know, of a perspective. What they basically do. Now, there was an argument that went well into the 90s, usually by conservatives, that when they were talking about drugs, again, they're primarily never assaulted, never into, you know, alcohol so much. And I'm going to talk about that a little bit as well. It was primarily the weed. And it kept being, being labeled as a gateway drug, quote unquote. Way back in the 30s or 40s, I can't remember right now when the film was made. And you look at it now and you laugh. It's a silly film. But um, that was their attempt back then to curb the use of marijuana. And it was, um, you know, it was just, um, a, you know, an arguably silly film called Reefer Madness. Maybe that might ring a bell with some of you out there. 
and basically was portraying people who were smoking cannabis as would become, you know, sexually overdriven, maniacal, psychopathic maniacs, killers, uh, you know, all of that. And that simply really isn't the case. We, we pretty much, we know that now. But here's what you're not being told. I call it the one-two punch of alcohol and weed. Um, most times, if you're watching any kind of social, serious social disturbances, um, car wrecks, bar fights, things of this nature, generally happens via alcohol. But weed, not so much. As a matter of fact, assuming it hasn't been laced with anything else, it doesn't make you psychopathic, um, over-sexualized, eh, not really sure about that one way or the other. But what it definitely does do is give you the munchies. Everybody knows that. And what they won't confess is that it turns you into a dummy. That is why all those many, many years ago, it was called properly, it was referred to as wacky weed. Because it makes you kind of dopey and kind of wacky. It definitely makes you unconcerned. It relaxes you, man. And that is a big part of the problem. Alcohol can certainly relax you to a point, and we all know it certainly makes you uh, uninhibited, but very often, um, besides all the bad judgment uh, things that occur when you're high on booze, is um, you become uncooperative and violent Watch any number of these little cop videos that they have to deal with week in and week out of dealing with drunks and fights and domestic disturbances. And it comes around principally, mostly, due to alcohol. And, of course, you can have a whole lot of crazy also going on with crack, and if you mix that into the mix, well, gee, uh, go figure. But I'm not going to talk so much about crack. I just want to talk about booze and weed. Now, um, booze, ultimately, besides all the other things that I had mentioned to you, its main thing is that it saps your will. Let that sink in for just a moment. It saps your will to live. Um, you may not notice it so much when you're really young. And I know some people start drinking quite young. Um, maybe in their teen years. 
and on up until the point, depending on your constitution, around maybe 30-ish, somewhere in there, depending. But if you really put on a heavy bender one night, progressively, usually over time um, in your life, you don't bounce back from its effects the next day as quickly as you did, say, when you're in your late teens or early 20s. Again, most folks uh, know this, and if they don't, well, I'm telling you here, but I think most of you know it. And um, But long term, it's more to it than that, because let's say it's a Friday night, even if you're responsible and you're not driving, or if you're having a party at your home, and you do some really heavy boozing, and then you crash, and it might take you a day or two just to kind of come around. But here's the thing. It actually lasts, the effects last longer than that. The effects on your body and your brain. Um, if you've had, uh, let's say, you're a 25-year-old person and you had a serious drinking party on a Friday night, and you don't drink anything else until Monday, you're still not there. You might think you're there, but the uh, effects are still with you um, at least till probably a Wednesday, close to a week. And that was just one heavy bout of drinking. So what does this mean? What this means is that if you party hardy on, say, a Friday night, and then maybe you don't have anything else to drink until, say, a Wednesday, and you consume several drinks or a few pints of beer, and then a couple days later you hammer out again and do another session of heavy drinking, and if you pretty much pretty much kind of do this pattern week in and week out. For all intents and purposes, even though you may be, you know, functional, that, okay, Monday morning rolls around, you get up, you do the usual things, and you go to work, and somehow you're able to get through your job, and then with lunch, like I said, on a Wednesday, or you and the, the crew, or what have you, uh, have a few pints, not a knockout drinking session because you admit you at least know, okay, I got to go to work the next day. We can't do that until Friday. So most most people do. But not realizing that you have still, you're always behind. And so you never really dry out, as they say. And so you are, in other words, if you do this Forever, for years, you are constantly under the influence of alcohol. Now, think about that for a minute. Now, what it does, though, over time, over years and years, is very slowly, very incrementally, because of your age and other factors, in your life. And of course, this may vary from person to person. 
it varies on your sex, your your weight, um, how well you do eat, um, if you're, you know, how well you're taking care of yourself and your individual constitution. But regardless of that, it still ever so uh, incrementally wears you down. And one of the other things that it does is it's wearing you down is it takes away your will. Just quite literally, your will to do things in life and get things done. And over time, it just slowly spirals down. And then, of course, you have the classic pattern of, well, I'm not feeling so great, so I'm just going to have a couple of more drinks. So, I don't mean this so much to talk about the process of, you know, spiraling into absolute full-blown daily drinking alcoholic states, and it's the classic thing of all the consequences of that. Losing your job, losing your relationship or marriage, losing your home, all that, because... Again, most of us know all about that. But what's important to know is the, re- the real reason behind this. And that's the next part of what I want to talk about. You see, <clears throat> believe it or not, what this basically boils down to is societal control. They figured out a long time ago, this goes back a long, long time ago. For instance, if you want to talk about a, uh, a good part of the subjugation of the uh, Native Americans, um, they figured out, in their case, especially since they genetically they have a very low tolerance of alcohol, Supply them with alcohol. Makes them crazy. Makes them hoop and holler and violent. But over time, very quickly, it debilitates and destroys them. It's used and was used as a control mechanism. So you'll notice on so many different news outlets and whatnot, when you're talking about drugs... Um, they usually don't bring alcohol into the equation. That's hush-hush. No, 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 no. Don't want to talk about that. There could be a liquor, could be five liquor stores, you know, on a city block. But no, let's, uh, let's not mention that peculiar correlation at all. There is a reason for that. And it's about subjugation through chemical control because you can determine the fate of a group of people on mass if you keep them drugged up and that's what that's what it does that's the net effect for instance as an example the british <clears throat> figured this out very quickly in china when they basically turned a large percentage of the Chinese population into opium addicts. And they took 
all the silver from China and in turn gave them opium. That is a fact. You can look it up. In the case of, for instance, Tsarist Russia, and especially under Stalin, and how famous Russians are for drinking their vodka, well, they made sure that there was plenty of cheap vodka for everyone. And you know what? Although there were a few attempts, pretty serious attempts, that tried to reverse that, they figured out pretty quickly, they said, all the hell with it. It's so much easier to control them. Just, let's just go ahead and do this thing. And it is still that way today. This is how you degenerate and control an entire society. And so... That's what alcohol does. Because if you have you ever noticed, for instance, for the most part, folks that are um, educated, and I'm not saying there aren't doctors, lawyers, attorneys, businessmen who aren't alcoholics. I'm not saying that. Because there are. I'm talking about the larger the numbers, the percentages. And the vast majority of people who are successful are not druggies. They're not regular drinkers. They don't abuse booze or any other drug for that matter. They're too smart. And so they stay off it. Weed, on the other hand, is of course entirely different. Um, basically, it just turns you into a dummy. You relax. Oh, yeah, it'll relax you. It'll relax you so much that you just don't really care much about anything. You're certainly not deep thinking, and you're not very introspective, really. It's great that you can completely get stoned and um, have sex. Um, that's good, temporarily. Um, and there's, you know, I mean, it, that is what it is. But over time, it turns you into an unconcerned dummy. Because you lose the cognitive abilities to think seriously about, well, just about anything. That's why in the 80s and all the way, well, the 70s, even the 70s, 80s all the way up, there were all the movies about the goofy antics of guys like Cheech and Chong, all those movies. And, you know, we call them now, we call them stoner movies. And somehow they're just, you know, they're just, you know, harmless but bumbling, funny, bumbling people that are just somehow lovable and adorable losers. And we just laugh and, gee, isn't that funny? But, of course, it's not funny. So, what I'm proposing to you, and I hope 
that uh, this isn't, uh, you know, I'm not striking you as though this is a, a veiled uh, PSA. And I'm going, you know, it's not like boo on drugs and weed. Other than the fact that I'm saying boo on alcohol and weed. Try it for yourself. Commit yourself to about 30 days of no weed and no alcohol. If you can do that. Here's what you'll find, or at least most folks find. You know, one of the big things that occurs, you start doing things. You don't need a self-help book. You don't need a guru. You don't need a psychiatrist or psychologist. You don't need motivational bullshit. You just automatically, it starts... That, you know, it may take a week, 10 days, or whatever it does, but you start waking up and you start looking around at your place where you live and and you'll look around and you'll see things perhaps out of order and say, shit, I need to clean this place up. Or, you know, taking care of your bills or cleaning out your car. But you start doing things. And you start doing things... Because you have to do things. Because there's just a drive normally with people to actually do things. And if you don't have the influence of the one-two punch of the one thing that is sucking your will to live, quite literally, both your mind and your body... And in the case of weed, you kind of stop being a dummy coming out of some kind of fog, and no pun intended. And you look around, and you're saying, "Shit, what the hell? What what am I? What am I doing here? What?" It happens. I've seen it happen many times. And I speak for myself as well. So, if you do this thing, and slowly, besides the fact that physically, you will begin to feel better, more energized, just better. You start feeling better. But it's your mind when your when your mind starts coming online then it starts to become clear and then when you look around you and you wonder if everybody collectively is being stupid and doing stupid shit all around you and then you start saying oh yeah they're doing stupid shit because Right now, they're, they're stupid. And they are. Because they're still under the influence of the drugs. And 
you don't worry about finding something to create it, uh, to replace it, because you will. Because if you come out of this fog bank, (laughs) again, no pun intended, but if you do that, you start seeing how much of your life and time and life moments, precious time, is... um, being wasted by being in a stupor. Because that is what the powers that be want. This is not in its entirely, by the way, everything that's causing an America's decline, but that's certainly part of it. Because the powers that be, you know, if you are, for instance... Um, hence, in the last few years, they figured out it's actually more profitable. Not only can, for instance, just like booze, um, that, you know, the sale of marijuana can now be taxed. It's not only that, but it's like, hey, it, it just makes them more compliant. And all they care about is that you are able to consume and you can function to a certain level. Okay? They want you to be able to, to function to a certain level, um, but not beyond that. Because if your mind is clear and you're able to function beyond that point, well, that kind of threatens their monopoly game and you know the wealth they they don't like that that's not good for them so yeah what could be better when you own a business i don't care what it is any kind of business fast food or you know what have you if you knew that the people will always be in some they don't threaten to have their own business because that requires a clear mind, you see. Uh, doing a business, you know, you've got to have your wits about you. Um, what I do here for you, there's hours of preparation. There's a lot of work that goes into this simple broadcast that you're listening to right now. So I can't be stoned. (laughs) And I can't fucking be drunk. And so, but they don't care about that. They care that you are just functional enough that they can keep earning the profits of your labor. Just making sure that you can, you know, earn enough Um, that you can survive. And now, in recent years, as they keep cutting out real wages and inflation takes over, they don't care if you have to work three jobs. They don't give a shit if you had to work 10 jobs a day to make ends meet. That's not their problem. Their whole function is to sit back and collect money from you. 
so yeah you can they finally re you know relaxing the whole thing on weed and, let, and letting them hang themselves meaning you very slowly but yeah they're really in the alcohol for them has worked very very well and I'm not saying you can't have any alcohol. There's nothing wrong with having a glass of wine, maybe a couple times a week, with dinner or something, and actually enjoying it. But your goal isn't to get drunk. Your goal is not to be intoxicated. Because remember, and remember this, if you remember anything here that I'm telling you that... The more you do that, the more you are at their disposal, the weaker you are. And to make it in this world, and, it's, and God knows it's already hard enough as it is, you need all your wits about you at all times. It's not good. You can't just be doing things willy-nilly and your brain is half functioning because of the drugs that's a reason why in closing i'll tell you this in the military to use being on a on a ship on you know say an aircraft carrier or whatnot they don't have people that are on duty that are drunk or smoking toked up on weed same thing with people in other very responsible positions. I know that it occasionally happens that they have cops that have derelicted their duty, and uh, some cops are on duty drunk, and they cause mayhem and crashes and all kinds of things. Once again, it's the same problem. But by and large, generally speaking, those, those people know the drill. They know what the deal is. And particularly, especially in the military, like in a situation, in a closed situation, like, you know, an aircraft carrier, carrier, and especially on a submarine, you simply can't have guys trying to function, you know, drunk. It's not a laughing matter. That's why you don't have... Air traffic controllers who are, you know, intoxicated on weed or alcohol. Some things are life and death very serious. Most things um, may not be to that level. And you could take your chances because routinely there are um, even Amazon drivers who have, uh, you know, they get pulled over because... They're driving drunk. But by and large, doesn't happen. Um, you know, a if a if a uh, truck driver who has a CDL license, and if they were even even if <clears throat> heaven forbid to have not have an accident, just for any reason, somehow they get pulled over and they get a DUI, that can ruin that can end their career. And their, their livelihood, their CDL, is their lifeblood. But anyway, 
I just wanted to share this with you. Hopefully, maybe get your thoughts on it. But if you want to know my opinion, anecdotally from everything I've witnessed, what I have witnessed in my life, by and large, generally speaking, is that people who are able to get things together in life and get their lives together and keep their lives together um, aren't uh, drinking or doing drugs. And I thought I would share that with you because if you want to have a better life, well, that's at least one of the very first things that you need to come to grips with. So, until next time, take care. I'm going to tell you three good reasons why you should listen to the Ernest Man Show. When you're constantly being told and sold by the six o'clock corporate news squirrels, urgent breaking news, but you don't know it's really a shit biscuit. When you begin to suspect that those well-paid corporate talking head news actors speaking to you simply read the script they're given are trying to give you a shit biscuit. And when you realize that the stories of these so-called news anchors, regardless if they're acting the role of being on the left or the right, have absolutely no real concerns for your life, but are definitely force-feeding you a shit biscuit. Now I'll admit, I may not speak as eloquently or professionally as those folks, but at least I try to tell you the truth as I see it, not reading a damn script handed to me like a trained monkey. That's why you should listen to the Ernest Man Show. And that's no shit biscuit. <laughs>